at Mom Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, and special welcome if it's your very first time. And if you are looking for more information about what I do here, what I can offer you, you can head over to fitmomlifetothefullest.com, and you can see all the coaching options. We can hop on a phone call and iron out your workout plan or nutrition plan. We can sign you up for a prenatal program if that's you right now. Congratulations on all those great things. We actually have many women going through the pregnancy program and the pre uh, the postpartum program right now as well, which I love because so often I will just get inquiries about fat loss, fat loss, fat loss um, after pregnancy. And I love to see you ladies keep rocking it who are in these programs right now who see the value of staying healthy and fit during pregnancy and then rebuilding the smart way, not just jumping right to how can I blast this fat off kind of thing. You know, I know we all feel like that after we have the baby safely delivered and everything and in our arms, we're like, okay, now I want my body quote unquote back, but we need to rebuild the machine smartly. So anyway, there's my little addendum to today's episode. Today, we're going to do a quick little Q&A and if you have any questions that you would like to submit, you can always email them to me at fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Instagram, fitmomlifetothefullest. So we're going to dive in today. The first question, this one comes up a lot with a lot of people. So give me a lot of detail in the question, but I'm sure this applies in different situations. Okay. We had a grad party last evening and I planned that out, reserving mostly carbs and fats for that meal. That was great, including being able to have wonderful dessert. So they're apparently staying within their macros. The next day, I'm often not as hungry, so I don't get close to my allotted calories, macros, etc. Does this affect anything? My question being, should you still try to hit your macros even when you're not hungry? And I thought this was interesting because there's a couple little layers in this question that I want to dissect. So firstly, she's saying that she planned out having enough carbs and fat for the program and said, so that was great being able to have the dessert. So... Firstly, I'm thinking in this particular situation, this person might actually need to assess their overall calories day to day because ideally you are keeping your carbs, fat, and protein very similar every single day. There are, you know, little asterisks I'll throw in here if you are carb cycling or doing some other kind of um set up with your macros where some days you're having more, some days you're having less based on your workouts, which is a thing that you can do. That's a tool to have in your tool belt. But I usually just really reserve that for one-on-one clients when the scale's not moving, when weight fat loss is not happening. And not just the scale's not moving, but they have, you know, nothing is showing fat loss. Okay. That's when I'll pull one of these out. I personally, in my whole life, have only carb cycled one time before my wedding to try to really um, make things as, you know, tight and toned as I could and get as much definition showing as I could and all that kind of stuff. But I feel as light and lean as I want. You know, I also want to feel really good for my honeymoon and those kind of things. But anyways, I typically do not have people, have clients change their macros day to day. So what is interesting is she said that she stayed within her macros having the dessert and, and rocking out the grad party. So Then she was not hungry the next day. So if every day you are using up your macros, whether or not it includes dessert, you probably would still be hungry the next day. Like it should still be the same amount of calories. Now, 
yes, I can see where sometimes if something's like a little more indulgent, it might fill you up more, but usually things work the opposite. Usually it's like if we're having treats and more carb heavy foods and not as much protein, then we're usually more hungry actually, because the protein helps to stay satiated. So truly I would then look at your overall calories and they might need to come down a little bit you might be eating in a surplus without realizing it. And this is a great indicator, ladies. That's what I will tell clients if you're trying to figure out your macros on your own to log for a couple weeks, look at the average and start there as your cut and then see if you lose fat at that. Then slowly, slowly, (laughs) I was going to say shave off, but slowly shave off um, three to 5% to make sure you're in a cut, but you want to start where you are and see if you can already lose fat there before pulling back at all. So my first advice to this dear listener is to maybe shave back some calories overall, because you should still have probably been hungry the next day. If you truly stayed within your macros, if you didn't, and it was more of an indulgent day, like, okay, I did save carbs and fat, but I still went over, or I'm not really sure what the dessert consisted of. And you know, I get that because it can be very hard to guesstimate somebody's trifle or cake or whatever. Like you don't know exactly what was in that. So I can see having more of a rich indulgent food, not being as hungry the next day. That's also perfectly normal. So if that's the case, like, okay, maybe I actually just went over a little bit by macros. So I wasn't hungry the next day. Cause that is her overall question is, should I still eat my allotted macros the next day, even if I don't feel as hungry? So my advice to that is not to force feed yourself. Like if you're not hungry, do not make yourself eat But do try to stay consistent day to day because this is the trap where a lot of women fall into is, okay, well, Tuesday, they didn't feel that hungry, so they skipped, you know, their planned snack that was going to be high protein, high fat because they weren't that hungry, didn't want to force feed. And then the next day, they are super hungry, have no idea why. Maybe they had a really great workout the day before too, and now they're ravenous and their body's looking to immediately put in processed foods or carbs, and usually both, because carbs are gonna quickly replenish your glycogen stores and get some energy to the body. This is how the body works. We're never gonna crave chicken and vegetables once we're at the point of being really hungry. (laughs) So I don't want you to ever, and I personally do not force feed myself, but you need to have that awareness and control and discipline then that when you do feel hungry, you go with your planned meals. So what I usually advise clients who are actively tracking, or at least, you know, even when people are not tracking, I recommend roughly planning out your meals. I'm currently not macro tracking, but in eating intuitively, I still have a rough plan for what my meals are every day. If I don't have a rough plan for lunch, that is going to be the meal that goes totally awry because breakfast, I'm really automated on dinners. I always have planned out prior to the week beginning. And if not, I can swing a protein, carbon fat, and I know I'll do it because it's feeding my entire family. But lunches get dicey because I'll typically make my kids PB&J or they'll have, they really like more of like a charcuterie style lunch. I'll do like yogurt with nuts, with vegetables and kind of, cause they like to graze and snack and whatnot. And sometimes then I just get theirs done first and I'm cleaning up their dishes and stuff. And that's the one that I can absolutely just not have a plan for. Be like, oh, I'll just have a quick little, I don't know, something that's here in the fridge, but it wasn't enough. And then I'm low on protein And then later, I'm looking for tortilla chips and different foods. Or the next day, I'm 
like so hungry and I have no idea why. And it's because I didn't eat the plant thing. So what I suggest doing is still having a plan for your day, whether you're tracking or not. And then when it comes to that meal, say you had chicken stir fry in there for lunch and then maybe you were going to have like an apple with peanut butter for your snack and you had your chicken stir fry at lunch, but by the time it, you know, it came around for your snack, maybe between lunch and dinner, you didn't feel super hungry. So you're like, you know what? I'm not going to have that. Okay. Then you have dinner. And after dinner, you find yourself hungry. Go back to what you had planned. Go back to that apple and peanut butter because you know it fit your day. So that's my advice in this scenario is still have a plan for your day most days, whether it's just in your head and you know it's going to fit your rough targets of what your body needs or it's literally logged in my fitness pail. When it comes time to eat whatever the planned food is, do not force feed it if you know the hunger is not there, but then go back to that meal. Okay, it's kind of like, and think about that with your kids. Like if they sit down to dinner and they're like, oh, I'm not hungry because it's chicken, broccoli, and, you know, sweet potatoes. And you're like, oh, okay, well, don't eat it because it's, you know, that's fine. Don't force yourself. And then an hour later, they're like, I'm hungry. I want cereal. No, they need to go back. (laughs) At least in my household, you need to go back and eat what was planned because that is going to be much more satiating, have the vitamins and minerals I need you to have. And that's not how that rolls because then we're going to also learn to do that. And be careful because we're habitual people as well. Even though we're adults, you know, it's very easy to do that to ourselves too. Like, oh yeah, I'm really not hungry for this chicken, rice, and broccoli, but I actually feel good for a protein bar. Yes, because a lot of times, you know, protein bars are similar tasting to candy bars and we're like yeah no to the whole clean foods and what we really need to be doing is eating the whole clean foods so plan to use all your macros make sure firstly your macros are in an appropriate range for you if you're feeling all the time like you need to reach them they probably need to come down a little bit and there's a little bit of a chicken and egg here just last thing I'm going to say about this before I move on to the next one is sometimes I will have clients who are like there's no way I can eat this much protein when we start working together. I'm like, this is so much more protein than I was doing before. And I will try to gradually raise them, right? Instead of, if they were only eating 60 grams of protein before, I'm not going to say, okay, now you need to get 120 grams and that's it. Like start this week. It's like, okay, let's try to gradually bring this up and then we'll look at, you know, rounding out the macro targets. But what usually happens, this is why it's a nice little cycle, is once you start eating higher protein, then you actually will find your body getting hungry for that amount of protein, especially if you are doing the workouts together with it. If you're working out hard, it's all going to come together. Oh, and then the protein goes to the muscles, your body starts needing it. Same thing with water. I will hear this a ton. Like I cannot drink this much water. And I'll say, okay, start slowly upping your ounces. And the more water you get used to drinking, the more your body craves water. So you just got to start somewhere as well. All right. A lot of answers wrapped up in that one question, but thank you. It's a good question. And I get it all the time in different situations. Like, should I still eat this? I wasn't that hungry. So there is a little thinking through the process. Okay. Just one more today. And this question, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but they were asking about because I've said on the podcast that workout is a stress to the body. So we're saying if stress is bad and workout is a stress to the body, then, you know, why is working out or exercising considered a good thing if you're stressing out your body? 
Great question. And I've referenced this, I think maybe back in the Pillars of Health episode that I kicked, that was one of the ones I kicked this year off with in 2022. Um, because I've referenced if you're in a state of stress and things are in a particularly stressful situation, then maybe what you need to do there is get more sleep or focus more on your meals or getting outside, getting with nature, not necessarily hammering out workouts and putting your body under more stress. Since you are already in a stressed state, then the workout might not help. But there is a little bit of a nuance and a little bit of a difference. And you can definitely go down this rabbit hole if you want to yourself that um, what is good for the body is acute stress like working out um, which is something we're very used to. If you look back like through human history, it was, you know, you had to find food for your family. That was stressful. That was acute stress. And then it was gone. You, if you were a man, like you had to go out and kill an animal or like fight off a bear or something. And then that was gone. We were made to handle, and I, it's part of our fight, fight or flight and everything, um, to have acute stress that we have to face and then it goes away. What is different about today's day and age and what is different for most people is the idea of chronic stress. So working out falls in the acute stress category. You are creating stress in the body and on the body. You're, you're, place, you're placing some kind of demand on the body that your body has to adapt to and overcome. That's a good thing because then at the end of the session, like you have done that, you have adapted and overcame and you will come out stronger on the other side. That is the acute stress. So if you're, and this applies to whether it was a, you know, weightlifting session or a cardio session, you are, and there's a little bit again of asterisks here where technically, you know, I've shared that I'm training for a more of a distance run right now which is not the healthiest thing in the world. It's actually not that great for you to put, to put this much strain on your heart all the time um, with long run, long run, long run. I will say I personally, this is the only long run I have or long race I have planned in my future, near future and probably distant future. But for those who you know do marathons all the time, they have found there are studies that like link that their hearts are actually not as healthy as other people and or you know, their joints and things like that from all the miles that they've put on their body because that can turn into more of a chronic stress if you're really hammering things out. Same thing, I'm sure. I just can't really speak to it in other worlds like powerlifting. You know, lifting weight is a good thing. Putting stress on the body in that way is a good thing, but really overloading it, putting that much on your joints, like then you can be, you know, getting into a, this is actually not good for you territory. So, I'm talking about balance within reason. And for most of you listening, that's looking like, you know, three to six workouts a week where hopefully if you've been listening to me for a while, you're pushing it, you know, in strength training to about where you only have two to three reps left or in cardio, like you're at like a nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 at points. So I'm talking to you ladies, which is again, probably majority of you listening that your workout is going to be great for you. You're causing acute stress to the body and then you are going to adapt and overcome and that workout is done and dusted and you're a stronger person now. The problem is that in our world, we have a lot of chronic stress and there's so many layers to this and I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in stress or lifestyle management or whatever. This is another chicken and egg thing though is one of the first things if you probably Google like how to get rid of stress 
they're going to tell you to exercise. You know, that's one of the most tangible things you can do because I know in general, if you look up like, how do I lower this or how do I lose weight, whatever, lowering your stress is always going to be something they recommend. But that is such an ambiguous overarching, like, how do I lower my stress? Like I have five kids, one has special needs, I'm homeschooling, like I'm running a business from home, my husband's away, like, how do I lower my stress? And so I'm, again, not pretending like I have any kind of answers here. I will say that in my life, I have said before, like, oh, I'm stressed out. And the funny thing is, looking back, the times I said it, it was literally when I was single um, and or just not married yet, you know, and I had no kids. I remember saying it in college many times, like, I'm just so stressed out about X, Y, Z. And I look back just laughing, thinking, Brittany, that's what you chose to be stressed out about. Like, you were sipping like a $4 coffee, studying for a test, saying you're so stressed out. (laughs) Little did you know. Um which is just funny. It's always funny looking back and hopefully seeing how you've grown. But anyways, we need to do our best to try to get rid of the chronic stress in our lives. And I know, again, easier said than done. I know some of you listening are in this scenario I just described, or you have a special needs child, or you have um, financial strain or real things that are, you know, causing you stress. And working out is going to help that. Eating well is going to help that. It's going to help you sleep better as well. But I know for me, I just have to refer back to the Bible verse about, you know, only worrying about the worries of today and, you know, sufficient for tomorrow, tomorrow's worries. That's totally not how it goes. And, you know, anytime I try to quote scripture, it's a very rough estimate. Sufficient for today are today's worries, I believe, is about how the quote goes. And I have to call that to mind so often, and I'm not perfect at it at all. And again, saying I'm not minimizing anyone's stressful situations, but I will try to think about that. Like, okay, nope, sufficient for today. And like, Lord, I need your grace. And I will say a lot of times, like, if I feel like I'm out of patience or I'm out of whatever it is, I'm like, Lord, I'm out of patience. Please give me some of yours. Um, I'll ask the Blessed Mother that too, because stress and worry and anxiety are all not from the Lord. And I think a lot of times when we talk about them, it's almost like a badge of honor. Like, I'm just so stressed. We're just so busy. And we were never called to that. We were called to walk faithfully with him and face what is in front of us, asking for his grace, saying in the sacrament so that we have this outpouring of grace. And it makes it more possible for us to do what is in front of us and for us to have the wisdom and prudence to preen out what is not what we're supposed to be doing. I think a lot of times the stress is a little self-inflicted. I know for me, it has been in the past where it's like I was stressed out because I took on too much. I was saying yes to too many things. I was stressed out because I was placing importance on things that other people don't care about. You know, catching up on my kids' baby books. That's a great thing. That's not something I need to have my shoulders up to my ears walking around all day like, I have to clean the house and I have to update their baby books and I'm watching three kids so I never have time to do this and I have to answer that client's email and da-da-da. Okay, no one cares about half the things on the list that were really driving me bonkers. Yes, it's great to feel caught up and yes, it's great to not have things hanging over your head but we need to like take a deep breath and look at what's really important and our health is really important. Walking around with chronic stress is really detrimental to our health. And yes, if you're in a a state of chronic stress, then maybe hammering out workouts is not going to be the best thing for you. And you need to address 
the other, you know, take some steps to try to mitigate that chronic stress in your life first. Ooh, okay, so much. It's always with only two questions. All right, I would welcome any of your questions. Like I said at the beginning, at fitmomlife to the fullest at gmail.com. I think I've actually gone through the question arsenal at this point. So truly hit me with them and we'll line up our next Q&A. Thank you so much for listening. If you have not, I'd appreciate if you'd rate and review the podcast on Apple iTunes. Just scroll on to the bottom. You can do a star review and a written review. I really appreciate it. And I love hearing from you as well to know that things are resonating. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you next time.